everything went really, really fast. And all of a sudden, it's been a month since I showed this publisher the drawing that I'd done. And I have a manuscript for a book that I've just created over the past couple of weeks. I was doing like multiple pages every day. So when I was sitting at lunch at work, I was drawing the manuscript for my book. When I was coming home from work, my husband was cooking dinner and looking after all the house cleaning and you know the washing and everything for me so that I could literally just sit down and draw so that I could get the manuscript finished by the deadline that they'd set for me. And it it all kind of come about so fast, I kind of was left spinning. And then, you know, about six months later, this manuscript turns up on my desk and I just sat there and cried. Your lifelong passions, dreams and aspirations, your joys and creative spurs, your femininity, your success, all in one place. This is Girl Skill with your host, Anna Rova. All right, girlfriends, welcome to another episode of Girl Skill Podcast. And I'm smiling already because I'm talking to another artist on this episode. And I love, love interviewing creative women and artists because we always play and because I get to nourish and encourage my creative side as well. So today we're talking to a Sydney-based artist, Sammy Sparrow, who was born with a crayon in her hand. And after completing a fine and visual arts degree, she found her creative home at Dinosaur Designs, where her art was nurtured and refined. And she has continued to pursue her passion, explore her talent and creativity across illustrations, clothing, painting, hand-stitched drawings. And she's inspired by design, bold colors and graffiti and a bunch of other stuff. And sky is the limit for her. And basically, we talk about color and connecting to your inner child, finding a bit of old world glamour (laughs) and finding the courage to say yes. She actually has an incredible story of how, you know, she worked basically everywhere. And one day she was sitting at her desk or having lunch and then started doodling which came to be her wildly popular coloring book. And uh, I love coloring books. My creative journey started with coloring books and I ended up doing Zen art. And now I'm like knitting and a bunch of other things. But I really love her state of play and just, you know, showing up every day and doing her best and seeing the world as as a child, which I think we all can benefit from. She's also a military spouse, which is very, very hard. And I don't know, I just found her really inspiring with a lot of energy, great journey. And she actually shares the redemption she found in a bouncy house at a child's birthday party. The power of taking the time to focus on what makes you feel confident and beautiful. And of course, the pain that can come from denying your creative feminine essence. The struggle of having, as I mentioned before, a spouse in the military. She shares with us some of the crazy times where she lost her ways and how she managed to overcome it. So I found that very helpful. And overall, it's a fun, lighthearted well, maybe not really, (laughs) episode. And Sammy is an amazing woman. Her art is great as well. And make sure you also check out her Instagram and follow her. And stay until the end because Sammy will also share one artist and girl skill guest to follow to feed your creative side and two books to read to grow as a feminine woman and as an adult. So enjoy this episode and I'll see you at the end. Girl skill, female success redefined. So today on Girl Skill Podcast, we have the amazing Sammy Sparrow all the way from Sydney, Australia. Sammy, welcome to Girl Skill. 
Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> so excited that you're here today with me. And we got connected through Maggie McDonald, who was also on this podcast. And I'm always kind of jittery and very excited to interview creative women like yourself and get into their story and their art and everything. So Sammy, you have a very interesting name, Sparrow. Go by Sammy Sparrow. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Is there any connection to Jack Sparrow from Pirates of the Caribbean? Maybe you got inspired from that. I don't know. Well, tell us a story about the name. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. So uh, it's actually my mom's pet name for me. My mom's always called me Sammy Sparrow. So when she was a little girl, there was a, a radio program and the guy who used to do this radio program was called Sammy Sparrow. And there was this cute little jingle that would go with it. And my mom used to sing that jingle to me when I was a baby. Um, So ever since I've always been her Sammy Sparrow. So when it came to choosing an artist name and an author name, I decided to go with that because I just thought it kind of wraps everything into a nice little bubble. I love it. I love it. Sammy Sparrow. It goes really well with your kind of branding and your look. And I love your pinup look and your green hair. And you call yourself an illustrator, an artist, an author, surface designer, passionate pinup, tattooed masterpiece, dog lover, Star Wars friend or fan, and a general oddball. So I am very excited to get into all of that stuff. But before, Sammy, let me ask you a couple of questions I ask all women on the show. So... What is a book that you plan on reading, Sammy? I actually have a really long list of books, uh, having worked for a publishing house. So I think probably one of my next ones, I want to actually go back and read Snugglepot and Cuddle Pie. Mae Gibbs, she's an old Australian uh, legend, basically. And Snugglepot and Cuddle Pie are these two little uh, gumnut babies that live in the gum trees and they have adventures. So it's a bit more of a children's book, but I definitely love getting back in touch with my inner child a lot. So it's something that's, that's on my bookshelf to read next. Yeah, I feel like, you know, every artistic journey starts, I mean, and continues and will always continue by tapping into the inner child because that's, that's pretty much where you have to begin and start and develop that kind of, you know, no criticism. And I have two nieces growing up. One of them is at the perfect age of five where there's literally no inhibitions or, you know, like certain beliefs about the world or whatever. She's just curious, you know, she's asking so many questions and like looking uh, with wonder at the world. I love that. I I hope that I have that kind of within me all the time because I I really register with that kind of curiosity that children have. Definitely. Yeah. 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 And I wish, you know, in in my work with women, one of the biggest things we talk about is rediscovering your inner girl because it seems like so many of us adult women have kind of forgotten that. And, you know, life can become pretty dull and um, yeah, but not as exciting as when we were little girls. So, Anyways, that's a different subject. Let's not get into there now. <laughs> I want to ask you next about your tattoos. My, my original question is, you know, if you had a tattoo, where and what would it be? But perhaps you can share with us your tattoo kind of journey. And maybe if you have a plan to get another one. Because I know, you know, once you get a couple, like you just can't stop. 
So if you plan to get another one, if you could share with us where and what would that be, that'd be great. I am definitely a tattooed masterpiece. I have a lot of them. There are many, many, many hours of tattooing on my body. I think I've got one of them, which is over 20 hours, let alone anything else. So I do plan on getting more. I do believe that tattoos are actually addictive. Just FYI for anyone who hasn't got any. (laughs) But I've actually got the itch at the moment is what I call it. It's like that need for another tattoo. And I, I'm tossing up between three different designs at the moment. I do have a lot of designs that I do wish to get in the future. But one of them would be a pineapple. Another one is a seahorse with a pirate's hat on it. And I also have this little garden gnome with a power pack and like a little space like gun like little zappy gun type thing that he's holding. So I, they're the three that I'm kind of tossing up between at the moment. They're all very odd and eclectic, but that is definitely my style. Mm, love it. And where is there any space on your body left to do them? Where would you do them? <laughs> yeah, no, there is. There's a, there is a lot of space still. I'm definitely one of those people that I oddly don't want to have that many tattoos that I don't feel naked. It's interesting because sometimes when you see yourself in the mirror, because I almost have a a full sleeve, I look at myself in summer when it's quite hot and I'm like, oh, I should take my shirt off. But it's like, oh wait, no, it's my sleeve. Like it's my arm. I can't take that off because you just feel like you're almost got clothing on a lot. So I like the concept of still feeling like I am able to be naked. It's a weird idea, but yeah. (laughs) Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what is this? What is this addiction to tattoos? Because you know, I interview a lot of women, and some of the women are actually kind of like, I don't think I'd ever make a tattoo, you know. And uh, yeah, so what's what's this obsession with it? So I I don't know, but I I've actually I've got a lot of friends who are actually tattooists, and at one point I was close to being apprenticed as well. But I I do believe that they are addictive. I, I believe that you get a buzz from getting them. And the more that you get, the more that you kind of look for that buzz. Like it would be like, you know, doing drugs or something like that. (laughs) Not that I would know because I don't partake in that. But that's my likening to it is what I think when I've heard of people needing that hit. I kind of get to that point where it's been 12 months since I've had a tattoo and I start feeling that urge to go out and have that that rush and that experience again. And it's, yeah, I I do believe that they're addictive. I think that's why a lot of people end up with full bodies and, you know, neck pieces because that's the only space they've got left or something like that because you just have to find more space. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, really interesting. Well, I myself have three and I mean, they're, they're pretty small. I mean, they're noticeable, but small. And for me, it's not the 12 months period. For me, I think when a major event happens in my life or, you know, there's a huge milestone that I've passed and I think the next milestone is already kind of buzzing in me would be, you know, my, my, uh, me having a baby and, and actually having a family, becoming a mother. I think this would be a huge milestone for me. So I'm already getting some ideas. Yeah, cool. Thanks for sharing that with us. Let's move on. Who is one person dead or alive that you'd love to have dinner with? 
Oh, this is a sentimental one for me because I've lost my my nan, who I was extremely close with about two years ago. So she has passed away and I would love to have dinner with her one more time. Mm, yeah, I've heard you talk about this in one of your interviews that actually she has been like an inspiration for your art. Yeah, that's right. I actually based my second book around the concept of of the love that she's helped me kind of grow and develop. And and I used her as, as quite a large inspiration for my second book. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Love it. Love it. Well, her, um, I guess, life continues within your coloring books and inspires, you know, many people around the world. So that's awesome. All right. Uh, Sammy, what is your biggest fear? I guess it would be failure. I I really do think so. Failure in not being able to leave my mark on the world in some way or yeah, just not being able to achieve the goals that I, I really want to achieve in this life. I think that for me is is very scary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And last question of this segment is on a scale of one to 10, Sammy, how excited are you about life right now and why? I'm high on life all the time. I love life. Uh, <laughs> I think if 10's the highest, I probably sit in an eight most of the time. I have my down days, of course, everybody does, but I try not to let them last for too long. I try and uh, jump back on my happy horse all the time because I think if you put positive out into the world, positive comes back to you. So I'm definitely trying to put as much positive out into the world. <laughs> Mm, love it. And we could definitely see it in your art and just the way you communicate online and, you know, the stuff that you put out there. So that's awesome. Thank you. All right. So now is the time, Sammy, to introduce yourself. Tell us who you are and what you do. So I'm Sammy Sparrow. I am an author, an artist, a surface pattern designer, and I guess I create bits and pieces anywhere I can. I'm, I'm a very creative person. I'm a visual person. My life revolves around my next creative project, I guess, and trying to achieve the best out of that and getting where I can with it. But currently, my day job, I work for Lush, the mm. bath bombs and all of that. I, I work for Lush and I'm absolutely loving it. It's a part-time job. And it pays my bills, which is awesome. And it gives me enough time to still be able to think about my creative projects and be able to put more of my energy into my creative side. So thank you, Lush. I love you guys. (laughs) But yeah, for the most part, I'm, you know, I'm a daughter, I'm a wife, I'm a fur child mother. And yeah, I, I guess I really identify a lot with my creativity more than anything else when it comes to who I am. I try and create beautiful patterns, but I don't like having them normal. I guess I fear normal or being considered normal. So I like to be a little bit different. So when people start creating something, I try and do it with my own flair and uh, own it myself. Mm, Love it. Love it. And Lush, is, is Lush an Australian brand? No, it's an English brand actually, but they have kind of moved throughout the world. And yeah, we've, we're lucky to have had them here. I think it's around about 10 years or so. Yeah, this is like, so when I went first to Australia, I, I went into the store and I was like, oh my God, what is this? 
what is this heaven of like beauty products and self-care and you know because they have so I bought like these like bath I don't even know how you call them the 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 the, the bath bombs they're yeah. amazing yeah, yeah like you put it in the bath and then there's like rainbow things in the bath and I don't know like everything in that store is just like a like a fairy tale, you know, they, they've, so, so they have, so for, for everybody who doesn't know, it's, um, you know, they have like, uh, what is it? Creams. So everything for the body pretty much. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's great. A full on spectrum of products. And I just, I love, I love it. Like all the milk and I don't know, the branding is just amazing. It's, the it's all vegetarian. A lot of it's vegan. They're against testing on animals. So it's all very natural, uh, which I absolutely love. I, I love that we're not hurting anything or anyone in the process of making these incredible luxuries that we can have and take home. But yeah, there's face masks, there's makeup, there's body care for men and women. And I think that it's wonderful that you can have, you know, five, 10 minutes to yourself in a bath that just smells like heaven. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm very excited about moving to Australia and actually going to Lush store and using the products because <laughs> I haven't, I haven't been, um, you know, seeing that actually the well be, because I'm not in the UK. I guess they're all over the world, but I haven't actually seen it besides Australia. So that's that's really exciting. All right, Sammy, let's get into your story. So I'm interested. So besides, so everything you told us, you know, in general terms, but I also know that you have released two coloring books. The first one is called Emporium of Color and Delight. And the second one is Imaginarium of Love and Hope. And you just released a bullet journal that you have, you know, you were just doing signings and everything. And you do like print art and surface design art and everything. And your art is, is pretty interesting. It reminds me, and, I, and I'm sure you've heard about it before. It reminds me of like a kaleidoscope. If, yeah, yeah. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it was like, wow, because when I was a child, I remember, and I don't know, we didn't have one, but I think we borrowed it from someone. And I remember it was, I was just so mesmerized by, you know, turning the the little kaleidoscope thing, so much color, so much pattern. And you, I can clearly see that kind of pattern in your work. Yeah, they're, they're a huge influence for me. I, I think think that's once again, staying in touch with your inner child. I loved them when I was little. And when I started creating my patterns, I don't know how I have managed to create them, but they just started forming into these kaleidoscopic patterns. And yeah, it's just developed from there. So I just managed to see the world, I guess, in a slightly different way that's a bit more patterned. So, <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. <laughs> do you know if they still sell them? Like, this- they do. Uh-huh. Yes. They're a little bit harder to find. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I actually have about three or four of them on one of my oh. shelves in the house because when you see them, I just, I have to have one because they, they are hard to find. Yeah, well, for everyone listening, you should just go to Instagram at Sammy Sparrow zero twenty, and then check Sammy's Sammy's art or Sammy Sparrow. I think it's dot com. And while we're talking, everybody should just be scrolling and then checking it out because it's uh, it's it's amazing. And you also share your creative studio kind of or your desk, and I just I just absolutely love it because it's so colorful and I don't know. It's you know why I interview creative women a lot is because also in my work and 
what I've come to realize is that creativity and doing something with, with our hands, especially for women, is just a doorway to you know our womanhood, ourselves, our femininity or whatever. And I just feel like, man, like we forgot. Like we, you know, art these days or creativity in general by non-creatives is seen as something unproductive, you know, useless, <laughs> you know, you waste your time. And my mission and part, huge part of my work and my journey is really bringing that back to women where we can connect to ourselves, do things with our hands. And, you know, it doesn't have to be, there is no result to it. There's no purpose. Of course, in your work, there is purpose because that's like your life's work, <laughs> but it doesn't have to be. And so I love that you're creating actually things like coloring books, which I'm a big fan of and, you know, bullet journals and um, just bringing a bit of that creativity and inspiration into, well, everybody's lives, but I guess especially women's lives. So, yeah, I find it interesting that you were saying like that a lot of people find it non-productive. That is actually a point that I do struggle with at times. So when I have my days at home, when I, I need to sit down and get that painting done or create that design for the the my client, I do feel guilty at times because it's been so pushed into me that they're not real jobs or that it's not a thing that you're going to be able to pursue in the future. So I still do struggle with thinking along those lines, but I'm slowly breaking it for myself and feeling like I'm a little bit more productive by creating my art, definitely. So, And it's something that I think is important. I think there's a lot of skills from bygone eras that being lost because people aren't using their hands as much as they used to. I think knitting and crocheting and embroidery, they're all incredible skills that men and women used to all partake in that are being lost. These amazing talents that people could quite easily still pick up and learn from elder generations before they actually pass away. I think that, yeah, it's it's sad to see it all disappearing, but I'm definitely one of those people that is trying to keep that kind of thing going. I, I make some of my own clothes. I like making circle skirts and I might see a, a, a dress in a pattern that I like, but I don't like the dress. I'll actually buy the dress and alter it to make it into the thing that I want because I, I just, I much prefer having that individuality than losing that skill. And I think a lot of people get totally in awe, I guess is the best way to put it, of the fact that I do those kind of things because I I just, like I said, I don't want to be seen as normal. I want to have my individual mark left on the world and I want to be known as that crazy, you know, woman that <laughs> I, I do. I want to be that odd person that people like oddly talk about and go, oh, did you see what she was wearing today? Oh my God, like what was that about? But I, I guess, um, yeah, I, I want to be that person person that kind of shows that these old skills and these hands-on ways work and they, they are a skill that should be admired and appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. And and you are that woman. I mean, just by, by the way, by the way you look, um, you know, in terms of like your hair and the way you dress and everything. Like I'm I'm always very inspired by women who dare to just wear what whatever the hell they want to wear and and dye their hair green like you and like whatever, you know, it's just really 
inspiring to see women pursuing who they truly are or actually just exploring it. You know, I've interviewed also Alice Edgley. She's in Melbourne and she's, uh, you know, designing these like cat suits and turbans on, on, you know, for women to wear. And I'm like, what? I would never wear this. And she's like, why not? You just put a turban on your head and wear a cat suit and just go out. Like, who cares? I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, you definitely are that woman. And I think not only that, but you're also inspiring others like me and I'm sure a lot of your clients and your fans and, and your friends and all of that. So thank you. Thank you for that. That's awesome. And oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, you if mentioned- you want to wear a turban, you should. They're amazing. You can always rock a, a good turban. Trust yeah, me. <laughs> I, I've never, like for me, a cat, okay, cat suit, I can probably pull it off. Like if it's, uh, you know, I'm still working with it. Like I don't, I don't think I'll be able to wear like a crazy color pattern cat suit outside uh, but a turban for me was always associated with some kind of a circus environment <laughs> or like a like a crazy party or like halloween or something but i don't know i mean i guess i'll just be exploring it and uh, going with it i don't know we'll see they were definitely the height of fashion for women back in like the 30s and 40s yeah i know go out know. and wear that to a really big formal occasion and uh-huh. rock that so, yeah, no, I, I've worn one every now and then. I, I don't mind them. <laughs> yeah, I could definitely see you wearing one for sure. Like you're that type of a woman. <laughs> That's awesome. But I love what you mentioned with, you know, working with hands. And I, so my, so I, I started and, you know, for everyone listening, for example, I can share my journey is that I've never thought of myself as a creative person. I, I never thought I could draw or do anything with my hands. And then I got first into coloring books because, you know, it's easy. Like you take and then you color the books. And then my next step was actually I signed up for a course and I did it all online. And it taught me, it's kind of like doodling Zen art and it teaches you how to create things blank paper. So you actually draw things in a patterned way. It's very simple, very easy, straight lines or, you know, crooked lines, whatever. And then it creates this amazing pattern and a design. I was like, oh my God, where is this coming from? And so, and I was writing and all this creativity and then I got into fashion design. And so it's it's really amazing what it does, like what it develops. And now my next step, you know, once I get to Australia and like I can't work because I'll be like super pregnant, uh, I really want to get back into knitting. And actually, it's really interesting because I am into, I am from Eastern Europe and in school, in high school actually, or middle school, can't remember, we have a class for like, so like girls go to like a, I don't know if Australia has it actually. So we have like a handcraft class for girls and then boys would do like wood stuff and design and put things together. But for girls, like we learn how to sew on a sewing machine. And also mm-hmm. we did, you know, we did knitting. I remember, I think I was like 13 or something. I needed a sweater. Like I actually made a sweater and then uh, on the sewing machine, I did like a dress or something. And I was like, wow. And now looking back, I'm like, that's amazing. Like I know the basics and and we did crochet and stuff like that. So I can't wait to actually get there. So curious to see what you have to say about that. And also just to point out, so what it does, because I also work in like feminine embodiment and stuff like that is when you work with your hands, what it does, it gets you out of your head. And I think that is the most important. So not necessarily like I know you are an artist and you're interested in the art itself and like, you know, the 
like the skill and it's amazing to move it forward and make sure that it lives and it's just creation, right? Beauty. But it also, what it does is because, especially for women today, you know, we're so busy. We're always in our heads and always thinking, 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 what is the next step, you know? And so much more in our masculine energy rather than feminine energy. What working with hands does is is actually get you out of your head and uh, just put work in your hands and there are neural pathways that are being created or opening up and there's just more space for for just breathing, you know, for not thinking about the daily to-dos or solving problems. And you're just... I totally agree. Yeah. I think when I sit down and I start painting, I think part of the the natural flow and the organic nature that comes in some of my paintings is purely from that release of stress or anxiety and just that pure calmness that kind of comes over me when I get to sit down and paint. I, I just find that pure zen when I'm creating, like I don't have to think about anything else except for what is exactly in front of me. And sometimes, especially in the colored backgrounds that I'm creating, I actually try and leave that up to nature a little bit. I, I kind of throw the paint on and I let it run around by itself. And I, I, I let it take control instead of being that person that has the control because I like those happy mistakes that can be made when you don't have the control of things like that. But I know, you know, unfortunately being an adult in the real world, you have to have control over a lot of situations and you do have to be on top of the game to be able to be a successful adult. So yeah, I think when you get that chance to sit down and be creative and and zone out from those those moments where you can just kind of find yourself and and not have to think about those stresses of work or what am I going to make for dinner or what 10 things do I have to do before I go to bed tonight or something like that. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what I always recommend to the women I work with is, actually that's part of their homework, is go sign up for that unbelievably perhaps silly class that you always wanted to, you know, like a pottery class or drawing or whatever, just go sign up. And ultimately the goal is actually what I'm highly recommending to women to make creativity a daily practice, which is a practice of self-care and and self-love. And it has, it has been, it has done wonders for me. So highly, highly recommend to everyone listening to really take this seriously. Like, you know, people don't take this seriously. They're like, yeah, whatever. Nobody has time for that. But actually, if you take the time and invest your time in it, it will do wonders, not only for you and your kind of clarity and self-care and your saneness, I suppose, in this world, but also for others, um, you know, your your spouse or your family and they'll just... Yeah, I think that positivity that kind of gets created within you definitely radiates from you and that relaxed calmness kind of helps get out into the the world around you. So I think other people can feel those positive vibes that you've found in those pure moments when you've been able to create something. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So Sammy, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, how did you actually come to do this work and actually some of the challenges that you went through and 
I, I know that you you write that you know you were pretty much born with a with a paintbrush and a, a like a drawing pencil or something. So I assume it was a big part of your childhood. And if you can tell me more about that, like what what role did your parents play in encouraging you? And mostly, what I'm interested in is like you know because a lot of people have these kind of creative beginnings in you know when they're especially as little girls because we're talking about two women today. But then we get discouraged along the way because this is, as you mentioned, like this is not a real job and you're never going to make money out of it. Like, what are you talking about? You know, any kind of artistic pursuit is viewed as something secondary to, you know, the more traditional or I guess masculine type of jobs. So I'm really interested in your journey and how did it all start and how did you actually decide to pursue this and actually make it your career. I know you work part-time for Lush, as you mentioned, but still like this is like your main thing. So I'm very curious in that journey. So as you said, I I started out very, very young. My mom always had some kind of arts and crafts organized off to the side available for me to to do when I was younger. And I, I grew up in, in the country. And so we, we kind of had to learn how to entertain ourselves and things like that. So being creative and painting or drawing or crafting was always something that was easily available. It was at home. We could do it until our hearts were content. And I, I always have been one of those people that even when I'm crafting, like I could watch TV and totally tune out from the TV and really focus in on what I was actually making. So yeah, I guess it evolved from there. And I, I'm one of those people that I, I don't want to let go of my inner child at all. Um, and I really hold on to that inner child. So I all the way through all my schooling, I was always quite a childish kid, I guess. Even now, I I still hold on to that inner child quite hard and I I, I can be a bit silly at times and things like that. And people actually mistake me for being much younger than I actually am, I guess, because my persona is is quite young at heart. So I guess my mum definitely helped with all of that. And then, you know, going through high school, I used to get in trouble in my English class for drawing in my my English books. My, my art teacher used to sit there and go, I know that you prefer to be in your art class, but you really need to focus on your English right now. And I used to get pulled up all the time in all of my classes for just doodling in the margins of my work and things like that. And then there'd be like two or three pages of me drawing and then there would be like the lessons notes and things like that. So I, I definitely just it's just this thing that I have within me that I, if I'm sitting down, I have a piece of paper and a pen, I will just, my hand just starts drawing. I, I can't help it. It just comes out so naturally for me. So I, of course, took design and technology and art as my majors when I was at high school. And I was told from a very early stage then that if I did those things, that they would scale bad against trying to get into a university. And I just kind of shrugged my shoulders and said, well, if a university won't take me because I've chosen these subjects, like why would I want to go to that university anyway? Because 
is who I am. You know, this is this is what I'm I'm here for. I'm here to to be creative and to to put these things out into the world. So I chose to go to what we have in Australia is called TAFE. It's like a community college, I guess, for other areas in the world. I wanted to go there more than a university anyway, because they focus more on the practical side of um, art more than the theory. I'm a very visual person and I, I'm actually dyslexic. It's not something that heaps of people know and now I've said it. I have struggled with this my whole childhood. So my way of communicating with people wasn't through words or verbally. It was always through my images, through my creations. So I needed to focus on the practical side. So when I left high school, my mum drove me to the local TAFE and signed me up for an arts course, fine and visual arts degree. And I remember her driving away from that registration day and me sitting in the car and crying and telling her that she'd ruined my life and that I was, I was, you know, I couldn't do it. And that was it. And like, like everything was, was over. I was very dramatic about it. (laughs) Um, but I remember turning up the first day and there were these amazing people of all ages. I was actually one of only three or four young people of my own age and the rest of the class was mature aged students. So I got to mingle with a lot of people who had a lot more world skills like than I had. So I learned a lot of new things very fast with learning with these. Let me ask you, let me ask you a couple of questions. Did your mom, so I'm curious about, so obviously your mom was a huge inspiration and kind of an encouragement for you and all these arts that you mentioned. So was she someone whose main job or a pursuit creativity or was she just having that as a side because she understood the importance of it and kind of encouraged you to pursue this? And then obviously like she was the one to, was she ever saying that, like you can't make a living out of this and then this could be like, you know, a side job or whatever, or she was full on supportive and kind of... No, my mom was always really supportive. Mom and dad were both really supportive. And I was the one kind of sitting there going, am I actually going to get money from this? Um, Is this going to actually like back me up at one point? But they, they were amazing. They were so supportive because they could just see that like my essence was this. This was what I was here kind of for. So my parents have always been super, super supportive. My whole family have been, which I'm I'm really fortunate to have their backing. Yeah. My mom always says that there's not really a huge creative bone in the body and she like in the whole family. And she always says that I seem to have gotten all of it. (laughs) But I think that's a lie. I think that she has her creative sides. Um, She really likes baking and cooking and she she's she's a like a stay-at-home mum and she always has little projects going on whether she realizes it or not that they are creative she's always been a can-do person so instead of waiting for dad to come home from work we'd get in and do that plumbing that needed to be done together or we'd paint the house or something like that so I was always brought up with that approach of you know you don't always need to have 
a man in the house to get things done or to create that new thing that you wanted. So home decorating and different things like that became a bit of an interest for me. We reupholstered things and all of that kind of stuff when I was younger. So it was always something that I was like, yeah, I can do that. That's easy. So I always take that approach when it comes to life and it flows over into my art. I probably say, yes, I can do that without actually knowing if I can, because I'm just like, I, I want to learn that skill. I will go out and I will learn how to do that. I will, I'll Google it and I will talk to somebody and I will learn that skill. And I think that that's definitely come from my mom. Yeah. The, the hands-on kind of approach is definitely, yeah, where that's come from mom. I love it. So yeah. then you, <laughs> you finished your, your degree and then, and, then, and then what happened? Was it easy to kind of transition into... No, work wasn't easy to find. Like I said, growing up in the country, there wasn't huge amounts of work. So I had to move to Sydney. And I was always that country bumpkin that said, oh, I could never live in Sydney. No, no, I can't live in a city. I, I need the trees and the stars at night. And oh, there's, there's just too many people. So I, I moved to the city and I found a job through a friend and that kind of evolved into another just retail work and different things like that. And then I finally got a job with an Australian company called Dinosaur Designs. They make and design handmade jewelry that is just exquisite. They're pieces of art. It's started by um, Louise Olsen and Steve Ormandy and they are amazing artists in their own rights. So I I found a creative home with them, definitely. They really nurtured all of us because we were all creative people that they had hired. And I, I just found myself in so many of the people that I was working with at this place. And I found it really great to be surrounded by these people that were organizing art exhibitions and um, making their own jewelry and designing it in their their personal time. And I think that definitely helped me find uh, a bit of a comfort in the fact that I could be creative and still have a job on the side and create other beautiful things and, and make that money. So yeah, that, that was a really big kind of learning experience for me and, and, I still hold a lot of those friendships quite dear and close to my heart. And I'm still very good friends with a lot of those people. But unfortunately, I had a bit of a breakdown in a relationship and I ended up moving home and back to mom's and um, probably focusing more on myself and trying to work out who I was as a person, which I think everybody needs to kind of have that five minutes to kind of really focus on themselves and you know, reassess their values and what they want from life. And I I definitely had a big learning curve there again. And it helped me refocus and work out what I, I did want. So when I eventually did move back to Sydney, which was about 18 odd months after moving back home, I I come back to the the city with a whole new focus, a new concept on the world, a new concept on who I was and what I wanted to be. And I didn't want anyone to get in my way. Quite truthfully, it was a case of this is who I am. If you don't like it, 
don't stick around. I found an inner strength that I didn't realize that I had, I think, out of the breakdown of the relationship. Yeah, just this this new soul searching and really working out who I was as a person, not with somebody else, not relying on anything else or anyone else, but just myself, who I was. And I think that that's important. Yeah. Let me ask you, Sammy. So I, I went through the same thing and actually Girl Skill, I guess, is a byproduct of, of, that, of my journey and also started with a breakup and everything. It's funny how like a breakup is especially for so many women, it becomes like this catalyst, you know, of like, oh, wait a second, like, who am I uh, without the relationship and all that? So I'm curious, um, what did you do during that time? So you said, you know, you've redefined, rediscovered yourself, understood who you are. And is there anything specific that you've done in terms of books, creativity or anything else that really helped you? Well, I'd found that I'd hit a bit of an artist block towards the end of that particular relationship. And I found that I wasn't actually creating. I I just was ignoring that entire part of my being. And I was finding myself more and more frustrated, more stressed out, more pent up. I wasn't able to let it out and I didn't know why or what was going on that was making me so uptight. And I I just, I was... I just wasn't myself, to be quite honest. And um, the, the the whole thing of the process of moving back home, I felt like I was a failure. You know, my my world kind of fell apart. Quite truthfully, I spent a week in bed. Uh, I did that whole silly, silly like female, like you know, woe is me that the man that I loved has left me type thing. But in all honesty. It was the best possible thing that could have ever happened to me. I I spent my week in bed. The thing that actually got me out of bed was one of the the kids down the road that I knew, uh, like proper little kid, and I'm like you know in my mid twenties at the time, had a birthday and had a jumping castle. <laughs> And I went and jumped on the jumping castle and I was in there with all these little four, five-year-old kids and I had an amazing time. And I was just like looking at these kids and how much fun they were having and just how much energy they had. And I just kind of felt like things just kind of started to click back into place in these moments for me, this kind of childish letting go of everything that I was holding on to. It kind of started to just unravel for me then. And I, I just I need knew I needed to get back to basics. So my my art became little scribbles in a really old journal that I had. And once I started creating again and getting back into using my hands, I felt back to myself. And the more I did it, the better I felt and the less stressed I felt and the less angsty and aggressive and stressed. And it just felt right again. And I guess that's when I decided that I needed to explore who who I was apart from that. So that's when I, I managed to talk to a couple of friends and I got a job in a warehouse picking and packing orders. It was a low stress job because that's all I wanted. I didn't want anything where I had to think. I just wanted something that I could go into autopilot and just cruise through the day and go home and continue working out who I was and what I wanted in life. And that's when I worked out that if 
with my paycheck if I bought one nice vintage item of clothing each paycheck, I could build up a really nice wardrobe in X amount of time because I really like the old world look. I like the the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, the 50s. I recently started doing 60s and 70s because I absolutely love the patterns on the, the fabrics. So I'm currently now starting to get into that. But I just wanted to have that bit of old world glamour and really kind of define who I was I'm a bit of a a curvy girl. I've got uh, a very hourglass figure and I felt that women back in those eras dressed really appropriately for their body shapes. And I'd found that going out and going clothes shopping was depressing for me because I could never find things that would fit over my boobs, to be quite honest. Um, And I was very self-conscious about that. So, And I was finding these vintage outfits, just they totally took care of that. And I didn't have to think about it. They they covered all the bits. They accentuated the the bits I wanted accentuated, the, the real feminine form. And it made me feel pretty. I was never a girly girl. I was always a very big tomboy when it come to dressing. So I started to find that I was interested in in being that that girl. And it just helped me become more confident in who I was and the fact that I didn't want to be a cookie cutter. I I wanted to be an individual and I wanted to be myself. I don't care if people don't like it. I am a polite person. I'm not going out hurting anyone. I'm very um, conscious of people around me and if they're comfortable or uncomfortable with situations and I always try to make them comfortable. So I was always brought up to try and and do right by the people around you. So I'm, I'm very much that's part of who I am. But if people can't deal with me, I'll be very polite and I know how to bow out of a situation quite easily without making them feel awkward about it. And I'll be unapologetic about it because this is who I am. And I understand that not everyone can take on the whole of what I am because I can be a little bit brave and out there and people just aren't always comfortable with people being exactly who they are and being unafraid to be who they are. Wow. Like this story, I (laughs) I think this story is incredible and there's so many lessons to, to learn from that beginning from, you know, how you gave yourself the time to, and I talk about this with a lot of women, you know, where it's like, where, where something major happens, like a quote-unquote, a disaster, a dramatic event in our lives, how we retrieve. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, moving back with your mom or whatever, like you did, you said, you know, I just spent a week in bed and this is what's necessary to kind of purge and be in that dramatic state of like, oh my God, my life is over. My men left me. Like, this is it. I'm not going anywhere. And, you know, kind of that kind of feel that self-pity for yourself or it's like, no. And then you're watching all these. It's kind of like a Bridget, Bridget Jonesy type of attitude. Yes, I love it. Totally. <laughs> but then, you know, I love what you, it's, and it's, it's really interesting that your body and I guess your mind and, and your intuition will tell you when it's time to emerge and for different people. And I think like in the, I remember Sex in the City movie as well, like Carrie, you know, when there was a big thing with, what was his name? Mr. Big or whatever. She also like closed up herself and, and, you know, and then there's like one little step that, that you do to, 
to get yourself out. And for you, it was like going to that kids party. And, and then, and, and I love how through, again, connected to your creativity and art, you found yourself. And I love how you mentioned the wardrobe because I feel like for so many women where we quote unquote wake up and, and it like for different women, I feel like it comes at different times. Perhaps for a lot of women, it comes later in life where, you know, and this is, these are the women like I work with where they kind of wake up and realize like, wait a second, like I don't need to prove anything anymore to anyone. Um, like I just need to be me, you know? And then that, that force within us is like, I'm fucking done proving everything to everyone. And like, if, as you said, you know, I had the, I had the transformation myself. I'm like, because people have told me as well, and I think I'm a bit like you, Sammy, not, not like you, because I think you're really brave pursuing. I mean, I, I've done, I've colored my hair pink and everything. And it was all like, you know, if I'm too much for you, like I understand, but you, you can, you can just, eliminate yourself from my life. And that's absolutely fine because we're not for everyone. And we might be a bit too much for, for people. And that's, that's fine. But I also like you. I love the... So I'm not, I'm not you know, um, I'm actually a tiny, tiny girl in the sense that, you know, I'm skinny and everything. But I love the, the 30s and the 40s look and, and the vintage. And I'm, because I'm into fashion design, I also want to, you know, I want to design clothes. I want to bring back... There is... You, you pointed it right. There is... There's something about the classiness of the women back then, but also a lot of femininity and sexiness to it. And I don't, and I don't see it these days, you know, in the fashion trends and everything. And of course, there's like influences and everything, but I just love how those women, you know, even with a turban on their head or whatever, like accentuating exactly like the feminine parts and you don't need to expose anything actually you could be like fully dressed there's no skin almost but it's so damn sexy and it's just amazing so um i love what you shared with us thanks so much i think i mean for for me it's an inspiration really in the journey that you've taken um oh, thank you incredible <laughs> so let's get back to today so today i mean i guess the result what, what we see now on Instagram and what you're doing now with your art and your work and all these coloring books are all the result of actually, you know, this kind of purge moment and rediscovering who you are and actually starting to live uh, yes, that's from, right. the, from the true self. So give us a bit of background. Where are you today with your work? So after all of that discovering myself and everything, I moved back to the city and within a week of moving back, I met my now husband, my whole persona when I came back to the city was, I don't need a man. I'll have a man if I want a man and I'll keep him around, but I don't need one to be a person. I can fully cope the way that I am. Um, And we met at my best friend's wedding. Oh, that sounds so bad. (laughs) We met at my best friend's wedding. Uh, I was the maid of honor and he was the groom's cousin. So long story short, we started dating. And when I kind of come out uh, and I was like, yeah, you know, this is who I am. I I dress in pinup girl clothing and I I do lots of vintage and I have bright green hair and I paint and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And he fully embraced it. And he has been my biggest cheerleader, quite truthfully. And I'm so blessed to have had so much encouragement from 
him the whole time that we've been together. We've been very close and, and very inseparable. We have quite a unique base. He, he come from a music background originally and he tried to do the band thing and it failed for him. But he sees, I guess, himself in me with my trying to make my art a real go and he believes that I have what it takes. So he's really supportive in, in being quite pushy in the way that I'll sit there and say, oh, such and such has come up. And he goes, well, what are you waiting for? You know, pursue it. And I just kind of, sometimes I just need him to almost feel like he's giving me the permission to do it or giving me that push so that I can give myself the permission to pursue that kind of thing. So yeah, I guess where I am now is, I mean, a a wonderful marriage with a husband and a family behind me and all these wonderful supportive friends who believe in what I'm doing. And I feel like I'm really blossoming from all the positive support that I do get. Because I, I do believe no matter where you are in life or what you are facing, that if you don't have at least one little voice of positivity or encouragement around you, that you might not take the opportunities that presented to you because you don't always see it. You might skip by it. Like when the opportunity came up for my books, I worked in the publishing house. I was quite fortunate. I was actually the executive assistant to the CEO. Um, So I was in a very stressful, high-powered position where my daily tasks were numerous and very, very important to the running of the company. So my way of de-stressing daily was at lunchtime, I'd move away from my desk and I would sit down and I would draw. Like I said, I can't sit down with a with a pen in my hand and not do something. So I'd, I'd sit down and I would totally just turn off to everything that was going on in my work life by being able to draw and coloring in what I was drawing as I was going. And the girls that I'd made friends with kept saying to me, you need to talk to someone about this. I think there's this trend that's happening with coloring in books for adults. And they always used to sit down and watch me draw and watch me color them in. And and I'd actually draw things for them to color in before all of this stuff happened. And they used to love, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So they said to me, oh, you know, you should go and talk to one of the publishers. And I was a little bit hesitant They kept nudging me and nudging me and I was like, no, 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 I don't want to interrupt them. You know, they're they're busy people, publishers. They 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 have other things to deal with. I'm just somebody who draws like doodles. You know, I I wanna save my art for, you know, a big gallery wall somewhere. And they kept persisting and I just thought, fine, I'm gonna prove them wrong. It's not gonna happen. I went down and I spoke to a publisher and the publisher took one look at some of the the lunchtime drawings that I'd done. You know, these things are like little five-minute sketches. And she just kind of pushed her seat back and really lounged back and went, oh my God, when do you do these? And I said, lunchtimes. And she goes, so these are really fast things. And I was like, yeah. And she goes, 
you have something here. We need to do this. And it just kind of spiraled from there. So everything went really, really fast. And all of a sudden, it's been a month since I, I showed this publisher the, the drawing that I'd done. And I have a manuscript for a book that I've just created over the past couple of weeks. I was doing like multiple pages every day. So when I was sitting at lunch at work, I was drawing the manuscript for my book. When I was coming home from work, my husband was cooking dinner and looking after all the house cleaning and, you know, the washing and everything for me so that I could literally just sit down and draw so that I could get the manuscript finished by the deadline that they'd set for me. And it, it all kind of come about so fast, I kind of was left spinning. And then, you know, uh, about six months later, this manuscript turns up on my desk and I just sat there and cried because I was just like gobsmacked. Like I, I always thought as a child that if I was going to be an author one day, like we all kind of have that envision, I, I thought it'll be children's books. You know, I can draw and I could write a children's book. And here I am with a coloring in book for adults. And it took, took my dad especially a lot of explaining so that he could wrap his head around the whole concept. Um, but quite fast after that, um, my, my nan, as we said earlier, she was diagnosed with cancer and I had to take a bit of extended time off work to help look after and um, be with my family uh, throughout this period of time. And I found that I was actually colouring in my colouring in book myself uh, for promotion and for the stress relief, quite honestly, because I didn't have to think about it. I could just sit there, I could colour it in and I was being proactive because I could put posts up on my Instagram account for marketing and stuff like that. And from the whole situation that kind of unraveled with my nan, I ended up drawing a whole new book and taking it back to the publisher and going, you know, if you want to make another book, here it is. This is, this is the new one type thing. And this one revolves around love and hope and the, the idea that, you know, you, you just need to, to put forward that positivity to the loved ones and, and make sure you hold them close. Because I'd always said that my books were for everybody. They weren't just for adults. They were for mothers with babies. They were for elderly people. I, I tried to be quite open and be able to have it so that if you were new to the coloring in experience as an adult, you could experiment within them or you could get that quick color fix and it didn't have to take you very long to get that relief which made it easy for if you had a child, you could share it with them and then you could rip the page out because it had perforated pages and you could put it up on the fridge as something that you and your child had done together or something like that. So the second book, yeah, came quite fast after that with this whole concept of the love that I had for my nan and how she she and my mum had played such a huge part in helping me become the person that I am today. And I think I tried to put a lot of that emotion and feeling into my second book. Yeah. And then unfortunately, uh, a couple of weeks after it was actually published, she she did pass away. So yeah, it was a bit of a, a stressful and upsetting time, but it definitely brought out some some good positives for 
for my world, definitely. What an, what an amazing story. What you've shared, and especially like when you went to the publisher and the publisher and told you, let's do it. And then uh, it's just so, so awesome. Like, <laughs> it's, it's awesome. So for, for everyone listening that has, let's say, what would you tell yourself if you look back at the time when you were doing this lunch, you know, drawings at lunch, what would you tell yourself and perhaps some inspiration for everyone listening who has an idea or you know, just doing something that could be great, but they just perhaps don't have the encouragement or, you know, just start doubting themselves. No, 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 nobody will want this or whatever. Well, quite truthfully, I still do it. I still sit there. And I think, I think as a creative person, sometimes you're your own worst enemy, quite truthfully. You, you tend to put yourself down before someone else does. But I think you really need to learn to to stop doing that and to really embrace what you're doing and to be your own biggest cheerleader. You need to to own what you're doing and not be afraid of it and to really show people what you can do and and show it to them in a positive light. I think that was always something I, I kind of like would stand back and kind of silently cringe and everyone would go, oh my God, it's amazing. And to this day, like I still look at some of my illustrations and go, oh, it's it's so childlike. It's so, so, so little kid. But then I have to remember that that is part of the beauty of it. It's, it's good because I haven't let go of that childishness. I haven't like fully embodied that adultness. I, I've, I've kept it at a level where it's accessible for so many people. And I think that that's the thing. No matter what happens, there are other people out in the world who are feeling what you're feeling, who are going through similar situations and who are going to like what you are creating. You just need to find those people and you need to not be afraid to put it out there to find that community of people who are going to embrace you and embrace what you're creating because they are out there. Love it. So before, unfortunately, Sammy, we have to be closing up. But before we close up and go to the tools and resources section, let's talk a little about you being actually a military spouse. So you mentioned that, you know, your husband. And by the way, I know that your second anniversary is coming up soon. Yeah. Uh, and I saw the photos. They're just so amazing. It's like you in a white dress and your green hair. And he's like in this, you know, I guess vintage, um, also vintage suit. And it's yeah. Just, so you, oh, it's lovely. So congratulations in advance. Thank you. Um, and then you mentioned, you know, he was in into music and then band didn't happen. And so he's now in the Navy, as you've shared with me, and he goes on deployment. And I imagine that it must be a really hard time for you where he goes away. So how are you dealing with, you know, long distance and just your husband being away a lot? And also is you shared like he's one of your biggest cheerleaders as well. And I, I imagine that it must be a hard time for you when he's away. Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's not an easy lifestyle, that's for sure. Like I knew what I was getting myself into. He didn't hide any of that from me. And I fully opened up my arms still and embraced it. And I can definitely say it's not always for everybody. You have to be a very strong, independent person and be okay with 
being by yourself. I love that I have my two fur children to keep me company and some, like for somebody to talk to at times. And I do talk to them a lot. But yeah, being a military spouse, you do have extended periods of time that normal people wouldn't necessarily have separated from your partner. So the longest that we've had separated is a six-month period when he was deployed over to duties in the Middle East. And being in the Navy, unlike being on their the Air Force or the Army, uh, the Navy, there's no internet in the ocean, let's put it that way. So you don't have, you know, Facebook Messenger or the, anything like that to be able to contact them with. You have the occasional email that you might get. If you're lucky, it might be once a day, but they can't be anything major because they don't want anyone saying anything they shouldn't to give away positioning or anything like that. So it, it is, um, they, they are quite uh, limited. Uh, at times. So you do only get little bits and pieces. So when they do come alongside land and you hear from them, it's it's the biggest excitement. It's like birthday and Christmas and Easter and everything all wrapped up into one and you get the biggest like thrill or the fact that you might get a, a 15 minute phone call with them once a week if you're lucky. Um, that That's like the biggest uh, thing. You, you actually do become very attached to your phone, unfortunately, because you don't want to miss a phone call or an email or something in case you do hear from them. But you just have to get to the point where before he was deployed for the first time, I had other military spouses um, because it is quite a a close community and you do make a lot of close friends that way. When your partner is away and someone else's partner is away and they're away together, they form close bonds and friendships and you form close bonds and friendships with their partners as well. So you kind of become each other's support because a lot of people don't know how to talk to you about the way to deal with these things. So I was told from a very early stage that you give yourself a day to grieve them being away and then you have to pick up and move on with your life because they're not coming back tomorrow to make things better. You have to live your life until they get home. So like I said, you have to be an independent person and be okay with being by yourself. And I guess I I built when I was building myself up and, and working out who I was, I have managed to have gotten myself into a position where I'm okay with this kind of thing, which it surprises me all the time, but it doesn't make it any easier when they do leave. I've actually just gone through a period where, and I'm still in it at the moment, where I'm a little bit down because he has just left. And as you said, my second wedding anniversary is coming up and this will be the second time that we haven't been able to... (laughs) Like we, out of our two wedding anniversaries, we haven't spent either of them together. So we are looking forward to the day that we do get to actually spend a wedding anniversary together. It will be a wonderful, joyous event, but you do get used to the idea that you might not be able to have them home for a birthday or Christmas or Easter or their birthday, which has happened to us over the the number of years that we have been together. There has been a lot of separation for special events, but you need to be there for both 
yourself and for him when it comes to family and you need to smile and, you know, just get through it. He'll be back. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I can only imagine, you know, I myself have spent like three weeks away from, you know, my husband and I just broke down one day. Of course, I'm more sensitive because of the pregnancy, but I, I don't know. It was, and then, and then I don't know, like six months is definitely like such a lot like even after three so I had like this first week you know when when I was gone I was actually really enjoying it being having my own space and I was still missing him but I really enjoyed traveling on my own then the second week was like oh I really miss you know so missing comes in and then you give yourself time to grieve and everything and then you know what like third week I was kind of getting used to it really. I mean, I was missing him, but like long distance does this thing to you where you start forgetting, I suppose, you know, how does the person, how is the touch and how is the smell and how is it to be around? And, you know, when we reunited after three weeks, it was a bit awkward and like weird. I can't even imagine after six months, it's like a different person. It's like, what are you doing around here? Like, who are you? A lot can change in six months. It really can. So yeah, it does get to a point where you kind of, you you grieve and then you, you get used to it and then you miss them and you grieve again. So there's a lot of an emotional roller coaster ride that comes with it. But after a while, I guess you just get used to them not being there and, and you having to do all of those things. And then when they come home, you do have to readjust. There is an, definitely an adjustment period. And being in the military, they they do give you bits and pieces to read that kind of say about all of that kind of stuff and, you know, give each other that bit of space and, you know, slowly readjust back into a, a normal routine and things like that. So it, it can take that time of adjustment for both parties to to get back into normal life. And I think that when they come home, you do just have that bit of a celebration and everything before you kind of click back into that normal routine. So yeah, it, it's it's all part and parcel, I guess, of, of that particular lifestyle that, that we are, are living in. And I must say that I admire everyone else who does it just as much it's a totally different lifestyle to to the normal and anyone who can can do it and i must admit i admire those who have children because that would have to be so much harder i i think you know you've got to deal with not only your own emotions but your children's emotions on top of it yeah and that separation for them would feel like a lifetime so yeah i'm definitely not doing it as hard as some of the others and it's definitely something that i think a lot of people don't realize when they talk about military service and things like that that it's not just the person who is in service it is actually their family and their immediate partners that are affected by it all so sometimes it can be a bit touchy yeah yeah well um thanks for sharing this with us you know and getting vulnerable and sharing the it makes you know me for sure appreciate that i have my partner most of the days with me and i can only imagine how hard it can be for you. And especially as you mentioned, like when there are children involved. So for all the women listening who are military spouses, my heart goes to you and send me to you as well and sending you a lot of positive energy. And it is what it is. You know, you've got to do what we're going to do. So that's it. It's time for tools and resources on Girl Skill. Yeah. All right. So let's wrap this up, Sam. It's been amazing. 
the two things I want to hear from you before I let you go is uh, who are some of the people that you follow perhaps online or you know, in real life, I suppose, that you find inspirational and that keep you fulfilled and going forward? Oh, that's really tough. I, I have an abundance of people that I follow on Instagram. Instagram is just my creative inspiration, quite truthfully. Well, as you said earlier, Maggie suggested me for, for doing this podcast and I admire her so much and how far she's come. We known each other from both of our early days from doing a, an art show together. Um, so I admire her and how much she's progressed tremendously. I've got a, a few followers overseas that I, I absolutely admire. They're um, really young to uh, the creative industry and they religious followers. And I absolutely love seeing uh, what they create and what they're coming out with anything that's a community-based page on Instagram, I also like because I like being able to see similar works, but in different people's styles and different takes on the world because I think we're all individual and I, I love being able to see other people's experiences kind of into their work and the way that they see the world in, in the same style of art. I think that to me is, is huge. So I guess no real individuals that I, I want to put out, just like communities of people that I really admire. Yeah, I guess that's probably where I am with that. Yeah, cool. Maggie McDonald actually is episode 67. So for everyone listening, definitely go to girlskill.com slash 67. Um, an amazing interview and her art is just incredible as well. I'm so grateful to Maggie that she connected us. Okay. Yeah, that's fine, Sammy. Let's, let's move on to some of the books. I know that you've mentioned one in the beginning that you want to read. It's more of a children's book. But if you want to, if you can suggest any kind of transformational books that really have, you know, left, let's say, a, a footprint on your journey, what would that book be? Women Who Run With Wolves. Oh my God, yes! <laughs> Are you yeah. saying that because it's like the book of this podcast? Well, I, I say it kind of quietly because it it is one of those things that, you know, there's so many awakening moments within that book. So yeah, it, it, it's kind of like... I, I just feel connections with that book on so many levels. And I know that a lot of the the women that I'm very close friends with that I, I, I kind of hold close to my heart, they all have read that book and, and will reread that book multiple times because I think it, it has so many lessons within it that I think are, are super important throughout many stages of your life. So yeah, yeah highly recommend it. Yeah, the whole Girl Skip brand is based on women who run with the wolves, you know, and my, yeah. my, a lot of my work and inspiration is uh, based on that. So for everyone who hasn't read it, like this is the, what, what I call it is, this is the Bible into womanhood and femininity and, you know, living living a deep, rich life as, as a woman. So thanks for recommending yeah. that. <laughs> Anything else you want to share? I've got a couple of light-hearted kind of books. There's um, the adulting book. It's an A to Z book on adulting. I can't think of the author's name, but it's a, a great read about things like, you know, really settling into learning how to do your taxes properly or just leaving it to your accountant to do. Just different things that it's, it's got tips and tricks in it that help you learn to add 
on a better level than what you may have originally thought or have been left to your own devices to try and get to. Learning to cook that one good steady meal when you're younger so that you don't starve when you first leave home and things like that. It's just got some practical life skills, which I think are not just humorous, but yeah, quite educational as well. (laughs) Yeah. Are you talking about adulting, how to become a grown-up in 468 easy steps? Ooh, I think that could be it in a different like in Australia, it's it's got a different title, but yes, ah, okay. I think that might be it as well. Well, we'll we'll figure it out by email. Yeah, <laughs> link to the book uh, for sure in the show notes. Awesome. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I I don't know. I've I, I'm an, a huge advocate for art books. <laughs> Any yeah. kind of an art book, quite truthfully. Uh, I I think that it's important that everybody has some kind of a pictorial book sitting on their coffee table, whether it be house design or you know interior design or genuine like gallery art or something like that. I think it's it's important for for me. I've always got a couple of them on the coffee table because I I find them very inspiring and. It's always nice to have something different to look at. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, Sammy, thank you so much for coming. This has been a great conversation. Very inspiring. Thanks for everything that you do and you know, sharing with us your journey. And for everybody who wants to know more about you, follow your art, perhaps even I highly recommend that. Is your book being sold you know, in America or can they get it online? I mean, the, the coloring books. My coloring in books are in America and in the UK. Both of them are available through good bookstores and all throughout Australia as well. The new bullet compendium for bullet journaling, I'm not sure just yet. I know it is definitely available online uh, and within Australia, but I'm not sure about overseas just yet. Okay. So for everybody who wants to know more and get your coloring books or follow you online, where can they go? They can go to my website, which is www.samisparrow.com or best place to keep up to date with me and what I'm up to and what I'm creating is definitely my Instagram page, which is samisparrow020. Awesome. We'll link to everything in the show notes. Sammy, thank you so much and we'll chat soon. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a wonderful evening. I've really enjoyed chatting with you tonight. Thank you. All righty. Who liked Sammy Sparrow? What a great name, <laughs> Sammy Sparrow. If you're keen, you should order her, her coloring books and definitely follow her on Instagram. An amazing woman with a bunch of, uh, you know, play and creativity and all that good stuff that our feminine soul requires. So if you enjoyed it, share it with a girlfriend, charge your karmic energy by uh, sharing it straight from your podcasting app or wherever you're listening to or send her to girlskill.com slash 93. This is also where you'll find all the links and resources we've mentioned and links to Sammy's website. And I think that's pretty much it. Thanks for staying on. Thanks for listening. You are amazing and have a great week running with the wolves. And I'll see you next week with another episode. Thank you for tuning in to Girl Skill. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher to never miss an episode. And never forget that your version of success is uniquely yours to live and experience. Until next time, let's continue redefining female success together. Girlskill.com. Female success redefined.